TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 500, and I am Libby, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. This is Tom. I'm professor of communication media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hey, this is Peter. I write for Blue, and I live in Hollywood. Hi, this is Yusun from Los Angeles, costume designer and TV enthusiast. All right, thanks guys for showing up for this epic 500th podcast. And uh, we'll start off with the news. I have that NCIS LA has been renewed and NCIS Hawaii, because you guys didn't know you were missing that, has been ordered to series. And really, really, that's all I got to say about that. Uh, Doom Patrol Season 3 has expanded its cast to include the characters of The Fog, Frenzy, Sleepwalk, and The Quiz. And they listed off the actors playing all those characters, but I recognize none of their names, so I'm like, go look up the article. <laughs> Unless you have that, Tommy, you care, because I was like, I don't know who any of these people are. Nope. Uh, James Frain and Tracy, I don't want to say her last name, Ifishore? Like, I know her face. And James Fran, I love from a bunch of stuff, including Star Trek. They are both the star in a BBC show called Show Trial, which I don't really like trial stuff, but I like both of them, That so maybe I'll try it. Um, Richard Lewis will be joining season 11 of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, was he, just out of curiosity, he was on before and then he had to not be on because of surgery? Or He, he was on last season. Okay, because they were like, they made it seem like it was a, you know, he had had some sort of surgery and it was a big deal that he was going to be on. He did. They made a big deal about it on Twitter. Like when he said he was back, all all these people were like, yay, you're back. Thank God. We missed you. Uh, Netflix has ordered the show called Florida Man that has become the joke uh, of like everything. And it will star Edgar uh, Ramirez. And Tom, have you met Florida Man yet? Oh, there's Florida men all over the place. <laughs> uh, that's all the news I have. What, do you, what news do you have, Tom? I've got a bunch. ABC has passed on the Alec Baldwin-Kelsey Grammer comedy, and they're going to be shopping that around. Apple TV Plus has uh, cast Aaron Doherty in the title role of the psychological thriller Chloe, which they are co-producing with BBC. Rodrigo Santoro and Alvaro Morte will star in the adventure series Boundless, uh, Oh, sorry, that was Amazon. This is Amazon, not Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, AMC series Alibi has cast Henry Lloyd Hughes and Talissa Texera to join Lucy Hale. Apple, the real Apple TV+, Plus has ordered a bilingual thriller now and then, set in Miami with, a, with an all-Hispanic cast and EP by Homeland's Gideon Raff. And they bought Sundance Darling Coda last year for $25 million. Uh, for $25 million. It will premiere in August, or rather... The last festival, not last year. COVID, man. Uh, this is up time. Disney, Disney, what time? 
Disney Plus has submitted Falcon and Winter Soldier in the series category for Emmys, which is important because uh, WandaVision was submitted as a limited series. So we might be getting a second season of something with some of those characters, but they've also announced they're developing a fourth Captain America film with the head writer uh, Malcolm Spellman of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Olivia Coleman and Amelia Clark are going to be joining the Secret Invasion. And Disney Plus has set a massive deal. Did you with say Sony. Amelia Clark? Amelia Clark, as in uh, Khaleesi. That's what I thought you said. Okay, continue. Uh, Disney Plus has set a massive deal with Sony for all Spider Man related movies, including new ones, after Netflix gets them first. So Netflix gets a seven month exclusive window, and that means all the MCU films will be available on Disney Plus. Um. In the why, oh why, Lord, please, why, Hulu has ordered How I Met Your Father 2 series starring Hilary Duff. And if you remember, the the showrunners of How I Met Your Father, who completely alienated me from watching anything they do ever again. You mean How I Met Your Mother, right? After the series finale, and nobody would buy it. But now, Hulu, because they own Fox, and Fox owns How I Met Your Whatever, has ordered it. NBC has cast John Cameron Mitchell in the Joe Exotic miniseries with Kate McKinnon as uh, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, will and it will also be available on USA Network and Peacock. Netflix is going to spend 17 billion dollars with a B in content this fiscal year, up from only 11.8 in fiscal year 20. Uh, they picked up Ginny and Georgia for season two. They've ordered a Wings of Fire animated series from Ava DuVernay, and they've announced that Dakota Johnson will star in an adaptation of Jane Austen's Persuasion. Um, Spectrum Originals uh, has a mystery show called Joe Pickett, which stars Michael Dorman, who plays Gordo on For All Mankind, and David Allen Greer and Sharon Lawrence were just cast to join that series. And then finally... Uh, Louis Tan, who stars in the Mortal Kombat movie that just released uh, in theaters and on HBO Max, is going to star in an adaptation of David Ignatius' novel Quantum Spy for Boyce Schiller Entertainment. It was originally developed for NBC, but evidently they let the right slaps, but Boyce Schiller held on to it. That's that's a lot of news. Yeah. That is a lot of news. Somebody made a comment. I can't remember what the actor, who the actor was. But he said there's so much content, and he said if you're an actor right now and you're working, it means you're no good. And I was like, wow. <laughs> what? He, he said that if you're an actor right now and you're not working, it means you're no good. I wouldn't say that. I, I, I know. He was doing the same stuff. I, I know, but he, that's what he said. He said there's just so much stuff out there that he said every actor he knows is working. And he was like, if you're not working, you're not any good. And I was like, wow, that that's kind of cold. All right, so let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about The Nevers. And this is episode two. And I shall be let Peter lead us off on episode two since uh, you're the one that got me to watch this show in the first place. Um, what did you think of the second episode out of the gate? I thought it was I thought it was better than the pilot. I thought the pilot was kind of overstuffed and I I didn't <clears throat> I didn't hate the pilot or anything, but like I I thought this one seemed a little more streamlined. Um we're, you know, hanging out with the characters and I yeah, I I liked it. I 
there's a big big kind of battle at the end that I thought was enjoyable and kind of a weird factory. Um, we found out a little more, like we we got to see who it looks sort of like the big bad is. Um, my only the only thing I didn't care for is that um, <clears throat> there is a party that um, wait they don't call them the Nevers. What do they call them in the show? Ugh, the touched. They the call touch. them touched. Touch. Yeah. Touch. Right. So there's a party that the touched attend um, by uh, I forgot the, what the big bad the, the the big bad woman the one well, in the wheelchair. Big bad, yeah, Olivia Williams. She has a brother, and the brother ends up bonding with the Irish um, steampunk fixing... I'm sorry, I don't remember the characters' names. And there's kind of like a flirt there, and it's like, oh, this seems nice and everything. He kind of reveals that he is a touch because he becomes... It's almost like he can see through a bird's... He's a warg! Have you not seen Game of Thrones? He's a warg! (laughs) Oh, right, yeah, it is like Game of Thrones. Like, um... There's a moment where basically the sister scolds him and is like, you can't be with her, you know, for all these reasons and stuff. High society, blah, blah, blah. And then he, you know, does that thing that I've seen a million times where the guy is really mean to the girl after they just had a nice moment. He completely blows her off. And it's like that trope to me seemed really tired. Clearly, that's not going to be that way forever. Clearly, everything's going to be fine. Like, and it. That's my only thing I didn't like. I don't like when stories do things where I'm just like, this is just a temporary roadblock. This is not going to be this way. And it's just a, and it's also tropey. It's a tropey. So it's like, why are you wasting my time on this? Um, However, beyond that, uh, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was strong. I mean, again, I am, I am not in the camp of like that. It's, you know, I don't think it's amazing television, but like I'm, I am thoroughly enjoying myself. And I, again, I, I like, especially for Joss Whedon, I thought, I think the production value is very good. Like, it's a really good looking show. So, um, yeah, I liked it. All right, Allison, go ahead. Oh, oh sorry, go ahead. I just want to jump in because uh, you, we talked about tropes, and um, uh, Peter didn't go into detail, but I'm assuming I'm allowed to. Uh, you know, in the big theme, we already talked about it off podcast, but I want to say a little more about it. Um, uh, we learn that the other main lead character has some sort of relationship with uh, uh, M- Malady. You know what I mean? They're discussing how they knew each other in the past, you know, and... Um, oh, you mean the crazy lady really- that at the very yeah. end? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, like, pivotal, you know what I mean? So I like that information drop. You know, it's done really naturally. What I feel like the show does great is it shows and doesn't tell, and I think that was the problem that we kind of, you know, had all of us... Uh, yeah, not me. To different degrees. Not, no, not no, me. Just say, say you said all of us, and I'm just, I'm just, no, no. I'm just saying. And to different degrees, you agreed uh, that it was kind of overstuffed. No, I, I didn't. didn't have a I actually did not agree to that. I, but I'm just go, go ahead, go ahead. Right. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Is uh, anyway, the point is even, and I really like the pilot. I think I might have liked it more than anyone. But anyway, or maybe you, Libya, you liked it a lot too. Anyway, the point is talking about tropes. Um, uh, we mentioned this already that when she was given that decision, you know, that Solomon decision of, you know, one or the other. Oh, no, it's not a Solomon decision, whatever, where she has to choose between, you know, two people that are very important in the situation. She turns the gun on herself. And I love that because 
it again to me it underlines this sort of power with women like she makes a non-tropey choice it's a choice of power she takes full responsibility for it she's not victimized by the by the big baddie she's like nope gonna take the decision out of your hands this is my thing this is you know what i mean and i will make the sacrifice she also knows she's got a healer but still the point is it's not tropey i definitely didn't guess it i thought it was a powerful choice it really worked well within the series so it wasn't like grandstanding or some weird soapboxy thing or whatever. Um, the other thing is, you know, I'll let people talk about the other stuff, but um, I definitely didn't guess it. Now, and this is not a, oh, pat myself on the back. It's actually a compliment. Even though I absolutely guessed that the big baddie was the one who seemed most sympathetic and in the wheelchair, that's kind of why I guessed it. So even though it's a trope, because she was the most sympathetic and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, nah, I don't know. There's probably, there, I was suspicious of her to begin with. But it didn't matter is what I'm trying to say. We live in a world where we have had so much television media and i don't mean in the last like two three years i mean in the last 50 years I, i'm saying really uh, hard can we wrap you're, you're gonna you're going wide let's just focus no, please i just wrap no, it up I'm just, please. Saying, I'm just saying about the show that even though it might be filled with some tropes here and there i think it's hard to avoid any trope you know what i mean so as long as they do it in a way that i think is just doesn't detract so much from the I mean I know Peter mentioned the trope between the man and the woman and I agree with him it's a trope but anyway my point is even though I guessed the end it did not matter I think the second episode did a great job of kind of slowing things down and you know advancing the story all right Allison um yeah I I loved the episode a, a lot better than the 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 opening, I felt that they took the time to do what they really should have done for, when they came out of the gate, which is to slow things down and let us get to know the characters. Um, I think this was especially crucial when it came to the character of Mundy, the detective, because, you know, he came oh, out right. as just a, you know, the, a, a bad guy, a villain. He was someone who was getting in the way. And now we discover that there is something deeper, that there's a reason that he's so panicked to, to get you know, this, this girl back. Um, and, you know, because he's, he's actually in love with one of these people. And so I think that he's, he's going to, you know, ultimately turn, you know, into a kind of ally, which is, is going to make him a lot more interesting as a character than just, you know, this kind of thug who goes after them all the time. Um, but, and, you know, revealing people's inner stuff was all about what this, this episode was about. We found secrets about everybody, you know, like who, again, who the real bad guy was, you know, and it's not, it's not the most significant surprise in, in the world. It's, you know, there, there is a trope to it, but still, um, I'd like to know pre precisely what motivates her in that, in that area besides just control, um, and, uh, you know, it's all, all of that, all of that really worked for me. All of, all of these little things, finding out Malady has a connection to, uh, to, to the lead and that there's something deeper there and something that involves a certain amount of guilt. Um, that's, you know, the, the all of this I think is going to be really interesting to explore later on. The only part, again, I'm agreeing with what everybody else has said so far, is the the trope of the the weak younger brother. Um, you know, he gets he gets a talking to by his sister, and that's all it takes for him to turn around and be mean to to the girl that he's attracted to. 
and and then the very next thing he does is to to bury his sorrows by uh, going over to uh, Lord Swan and agreeing to to be a partner with him on what is surely just you know human trafficking. Um, so you know it's it's like okay we're gonna watch him go really dark for a while until he comes to his senses and and becomes a good guy again and but you know that I I I'm. That's the only that's the only trope that I really have a lack of patience with. The rest of the show, I think, is is doing really well and living up to expectations. Uh, Tom, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Tom, really quick. I enjoyed I enjoyed this week's episode of Steampunk X Women. So, Steampunk <laughs> what X Women? Um, I could have. Well, uh, you got to TM I, that. I intensely dislike the actor who plays Lloyd. What's his What's his douche? <laughs> I think he's kind of charming, but he's losing some of that charm as we go. Oh, on. I just think he's an ass. <laughs> well, he's, yes. he's played nice guy characters too. He was in. He was in. Um, oh God, what Mick Mafia as as the protagonist in that? Wait, are we talking about the guy who who opens who has the club? The second yes, club? yes, that's who we're talking yes. about. All right. Any other comments before we wrap this up? Because we got to keep moving. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about, uh, the rookie. And this episode was very much about, um, Nolan, uh, looking out for his teacher because she gets like a, they, what's interesting is they really, they really do a good job of talking about some of the like stalking laws versus, you know, the loopholes that allow criminals to, to basically harass people without, uh, any consequences and they were talking about how these people were like skirting around it and then also civil liberties at the same time she's actual and little you know in literal danger and she doesn't know who she's in danger with and she talks about docking doxing and all of that stuff all of these like little things that have been happening for the last few years over the internet and they kind of put it all together in like one thing happening to one character but in a way that really worked and i really liked her character, and I like Nolan really looking out for her. I think he has a crush on Teacher, personally. Um, but that's okay. I'm okay with that, too. And so I, I did enjoy that story, and I liked how it escalated to where those guys were, like, uh, trying to kidnap her. And it's like a whole thing. I was like, holy crap. So, yeah, that was good. And uh, I'll let you, son, you want to talk about the next bit? Yeah, sure. Um, I I also really liked, I thought they were at introducing a new character that we would have. And in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, we've already got a lot. But I was like, okay. Um, but they introduced uh, a ex-military uh, woman who is just super proficient at guns and this and all of that stuff. But it was really a wonderful way to add yet another spotlight to like PTSD. We, we learn about, um, oh, I forgot his name, but the TO, um, you know, we learn about how Tim. he had PTSD. His name was Tim. Tim, right, Tim. So, you know, we learn, uh, we, we learn yet another kernel about him. And, you know, in the end, she chooses to get out of, she, you know, she drops, you know, being in the police academy because she realizes that her life, not just with PTSD, but that she'll never kind of get over her PTSD if she doesn't um, 
you know, if she doesn't get out of this life of just kind of tension and violence and, you know, all of that other stuff. So I thought that was great. And and I to keep, just talk about this thing, one thing, and the other people can talk about it. I loved how, on a lighter note, and this is what the show does really well, um, Chen, his former TO, I mean, his former boot, um, was jealous because, you know, he Tim seemed to take a different tact with, with the, the new boot. Um, and so it was pretty funny throughout the show how she was just kind of resentful and, and kind of being petty and stuff. And so, and that... And it, you know, and, and that was also realistic. So yeah, I just I love the A stories, the B stories, the C stories. You know, they had the um, Tim tell his the the mother-in-law. You know um, how uh, you know uh, you know just back off, and you know, and and she turned out to be nice. There was they continued the story with the son. I mean, like I said last week, they just do a great job involving everybody. All the stories are interesting, um, and yeah, I just I really like the show. <laughs> All right, uh, Peter, I know you watched it as well. What do you think? Um, I thought it was good. I, you know, I haven't watched The Rookie in a while. Ever since the Brendan Routh storyline ended, I hadn't gone back. Um, it was good. I was, I liked, um, you know, it was kind of a funny joke that uh, Greg, Ger- is it Greg Greenberg? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah. That he basically is in like the opening and it's kind of a joke that, you know, he fires his gun off by accident. Um, I did like, um, who's, who's the person who calls everyone boot? Tim. I like Tim's new rookie, and I'm hoping she comes back. I'm hoping that, like, she's gone for a while because she has to think about everything because he did say she has three years to decide. So I'm hoping that, like, she comes back, I don't know, like maybe for the finale or something. Um, but it was good. And then I do I like Nolan's story with the, um, the teacher that he's protecting. I thought that worked out. Um, yeah, it was good. And it, actually a pretty big action scene for the rookie. Yeah. For, yeah. for that show. So, yeah. Yeah, it was solid. Good. All right, so we're giving that a thumbs up. Um, next up, we're going to talk about the Mayor of Easttown, which is on HBO. And I know Peter and Tom watched this, and uh, I did not, mainly because I don't feel like being depressed. So, uh, what did you guys think, and and why should we watch it? Uh, Tom, solid, take this one. Solid start. writing, solid production values. Um, it's um. Kate Winslet's your lead, and she's got an Oscar, and she's amazing. Uh, Jean Smart doesn't have an Oscar, does have she's, any. She's amazing. Um, I love Jean Smart. She's, she's like bacon. She makes anything she's in better. <laughs> but she she plays Mare's uh, mother, who lives with her. And then Guy Pierce is this uh, English professor novelist who uh, they, 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 they get they meet. They have a meet cute in the bar and get jiggy, and he's totally interested. And she's like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> but you know, he's a he's a name. But the the one downside is it's a murder mystery, and it's kind of a two pronged murder mystery. There was a murder a year ago that went unsolved, and then there's a murder by the end of the episode. She's a cop, so. Um, but it just does a really good job of establishing all the characters feeling like real people real environment it's a fictitious town in pennsylvania they shot it in a outside of philly but it just everybody feels grounded and real and that's so unusual for so many tv for so many tv series so uh peter your thoughts no i would agree i think it i was i was really impressed with how yeah exactly what he's saying how grounded it felt how like you know look we often hear <clears throat> this is a, uh, is a bigger thing, but, you know, when we talk about uh, 
police police brutality, not not just with Black Lives Matter, but just as a longstanding issue with uh, police. So much of what we usually have are problems of police not really like, you know, profiling and not basically knowing their neighbors. And because this is a small town, they this show does a really good job of like seeing how um, her name is Mare, but it's pronounced it's spelled M-A-R-E. She knows everybody. So it's like when the guy who's giving his sister a hard time because, he, you know, he stole from his sister and he has issues. And then like his house doesn't have, you know, got the uh, whatchamacallit, the gas isn't turned on. And he's freezing. And it's like the, I really like that. I like how it's like, yeah, she's this detective, but she knows everybody and it's so it's like ah oh, this guy yeah he's a problem but it's like she knows him i think that's what the show really excels at um is just how lived in everything feels you know and there's a little humor it's not i wouldn't say it's like a super sad show um i i when i finished the pilot my 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 feeling was it's 80 percent great and it's 20 percent just okay unfortunately the 20% is the murder mystery is, is that while we're watching the show, there's a, there's a young, I guess a teen mom. I think she's supposed to be a teen mom and pretty much from frame one. I'm like, Oh yeah, she's dead. I was like, she'll be dead by the end of this like episode. And so I'm assuming the murder of a year ago and the murder of this, of this girl is tied. And it's like, you know, at least twin peaks, like we've, we forget how like Twin Peaks was so good with with what what basically it created by showing Laura Palmer dead in the very beginning. It's not it's not trying to create some false like, oh, my God, what happened? It's like, no, this girl died as Laura Palmer. And now we see how the town reacts. This you it was weird to me that I'm like, why are we wasting time on this? We know this is clearly what's going to happen. Um, however, like Tom said, it's very well acted. The environment's great. I do like her flirting with Guy Pierce. I'll definitely watch the next episode. It's just strange that I'm like, I almost feel like, here's a weird thing. I almost feel like this is a rare, weird, rare thing where I wish it wasn't a seasonal murder mystery. I almost wish it was just every week we just watch her solve a new case and, and see her life. I don't feel like I need this murder mystery, at least so far. So, so thumbs up. It's very good. But if you're a little tired of that, again, trope, a word we're using a lot today. Yes, I please, would say, let's, yeah. let's, let's put a moratorium on that word for the rest of this podcast. Continue. Oh, no, we got to we're going to bring it up later for sure. Um, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So but so thumb, thumbs up. I would I would agree. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And this Full week's. Tropes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> And this week's episode, I actually screwed up because I started watching it, and then I forgot. I, I got interrupted, and I forgot I was watching it, and I never circled back. So I only watched, like, the first ten minutes. So I don't know any of the songs. I don't even know what happened. So somebody else, please tell me. They they leaned in on... Um... Zoe trying to get Emily to talk about her postpartum depression. Oh, I saw that open. I did see that open. And I like that it continued, like, right after the credits of the last episode. We just picked right back up. And I like that the husband actually knew, but didn't know what to do about it. You know? I I wouldn't say he knew. He suspected something was wrong, but he couldn't 
he felt powerless to kind of like yeah. So um, the <laughs> I thought it was interesting that that Zoe was trying to manipulate her into opening up, which is like you knew that wasn't going to end well. Right. But one of the, one of the curveballs was Bernadette Peters and Mom were supposed to go out into town, and Bernadette Peters shows up, and Mom. Had to listen to the voicemail for mom to cancel. <laughs> so it's just so. Um, I, I give them. I don't think it. I give them major props for dealing with a really sensitive issue that can help a lot of people. For some reason, this episode didn't quite fire in all cylinders for me, and I was really kind of disappointed that they didn't use Bernadette Peters better because I love her and I agree <laughs> she's awesome. About so, although. Although she does go, uh, I'll let somebody else the, the, the capper at the end of the episode. I'll let somebody else divorce that. Go ahead, Yusuf. Oh, oh, um, yeah, I I like the episode well enough. Um, they dealt with a lot of stuff. I think the actress, the the the, the, the you know the uh, the wife who is you know experiencing the postpartum. Um, I thought she did a great job. She's been underutilized. Um, but you know I don't love her anyway, like her character or her whatever. But but so it's not like I've been a champion and I'm like why don't they use her? Um, but it was great that they did use her. And I thought her showing up thinking they were ha- having the you know Zoe thinking that they were gonna have a you know a spot a spa movie ice cream night in, you know, uh, and it turns out she is dressed to kill and they go out to the club and all of that. And so her falling apart in the, in the bathroom, all I could think about was don't crawl on that floor. What are you doing? (laughs) 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 It's a public bathroom. And they were just throwing each other, uh, throwing themselves along the walls. And I just, I almost couldn't watch the scene because I was cringing (laughs) so badly. I almost fast forwarded. I was like, I cannot, you know. Um, but uh, Allison made mention the other last week or the week before about how I had said that I didn't love this season as strongly and this and that. And she had said that, well, you know, it's kind of hard to kind of they're focusing on the grief part now and this and that. And I don't disagree. But I think part of the actual arc, though, has been that Zoe hasn't uh, really sort of dealt with her grief yeah. and, and she's been pushing, away, you know, uh, you know what I mean? So again, that that doesn't discount what Allison's saying. It's still grief, whether you're dealing with it or not dealing with it. But I don't think that was the reason why I didn't like the series as much in the beginning, you know, of second season. But I absolutely was moved by her going to church uh, and just absolutely at that moment realizing, oh my God, you know, and breaking down. The poignant moments of the show, I mean, we all talk about the, the, the laughter and the great songs and the dance things, but I definitely do think that uh, that they do a great job in the quieter moments. And um, it was really moving for me and very realistic. You know, when I experienced my own, you know, death in my family kind of a thing oh i thought it, I was you, very sorry it sounded like you said when you experienced your own death and i was like what like you know when i came back to life you know this is my sixth life you know uh, i was really you know a uh, uh, princess you know um no um yeah no it, it it rang so very true and organic and it was very well acted um and so yeah so I, that's all i will say you know because i thought this series I mean, sorry. Yeah, I think the series during this season has kind of brought us to that point, and I and I and I think they pulled it off really well. All right, uh, Allison. Um, yeah, this was definitely one of the less fun episodes, uh, but you know, I mean, we're 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 still 
we're still grief processing. I mean, that's what the whole season is about, which, um, you know, I mean, it, it, I think I think that they need to find a better balance because last episode also was about grief processing, but at the same time they managed to to inject a lot more fun into it. And and I, you know, where where this episode was concerned, although there were moments and there were things, and I think everybody who was performing did an amazing job. Um, I mean, you cannot fault the performers for just giving a hundred and. 10% of everything that they do uh, for the camera. But uh, in terms of the storyline, it's just, it's just, just this constant depression festival. Um, and where Zoe is concerned, I know, first of all, they, they let you know at the very, very beginning of the season, there's that, that recording of her father that she was not willing to face. And you know that this is going to finally resolve itself by the end of the season. She's going to watch that. It's going to eventually bring it full circle and, and you know, she'll deal with her grief that way. But in, until that happens, we're going through all of this. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it, 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 it feels very deep and affecting. And other times it's just, oh, my God, can we move on? And I, I think that there was a little of both of this in, in this episode. Um, and I agree that Bernadette Peters was not well served. I mean, she got one great solo and everything, but the rest of the time, it's like she just seems to be a prop for Mary Steenburgen's character to, to get out and do something. Um, so I, yeah, I, I would like, I would like, to get back to to more balanced episodes and episodes that use the entire cast in a better way, like they did in you know the week before. Yeah, that was so, fun. Yeah, it, it was really amazing. was. It really was. And All so right. I mean, I yeah, I I don't I don't want to say I hated this episode, but I I think they can do better. All right, uh, sure. thumbs up ish. I'm guessing yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Law and Order: Organized Crime. Which, yes, I'm still watching it. Give me some stabler. Okay. Uh, I'm enjoying the fact that this season it's it's not a, a case of the week. It's one organized crime family that they're going after for the whole season. Um, at least I hope it's just this season. Hopefully not multiple seasons. Um, I do. I mean, yes, the bad guys chewing up the scenery and whatnot, especially in the scene where we have our undercover CI that's supposed to be putting the listening device. You've got this whole weird, well, not really weird, but like threatening sort of whatever's happening with them in the in the wine cellar as she tries to plant the bug. And But really, the meat of the story, the thing that got me that made me gasp out loud and pause the television because I was like, oh my God, did that just happen? So uh, we had Mariska Hargitay is guest starring and the family decides to have an intervention because Stabler is definitely having PTSD. Like he's having nightmares, he's screaming, he's waking up. So all these things that are classic PTSD. He had a car accident because he wasn't paying attention and all these things are happening. And his family's like, we need to sit him down. And they try to convince, they convince Liv to help them do the uh, intervention. And I was like, Liv should know him well enough to know that an intervention's not going to work. That's a terrible idea for him. For the kind of person that he is, I was like, that's not going to work. And when he walks in the house and sees everybody and he's like, what's going on? They're like, we're doing an intervention. And I was like, mm. 
And his reaction was pretty much what I expected. But he had, like, this moment of, like, disconnect between his brain and his mouth where uh, Liv is like, Elliot, just tell us which, because he's like, I won't participate in this intervention. And she's like, Elliot, tell us what you need. And he looks Liv dead in the eye and goes, I love you. And everyone was like, wait, what? And he's saying this in front of his kids, in front of, which, I mean, their mom literally died, like, what, two weeks ago? (laughs) A month ago, maybe? Tops? And just, like, there's this really pregnant, awkward pause where he tries to, like, back it up and clean up the statement. He was like, I love all of you. And it's like, I was like, dude, in one, it took him way too long to try to cover that sentence up. And you can tell when he said it that it was a mistake. Like, his brain was doing stuff without his, or his mouth was doing stuff without his knowledge. And... His face went through 5,000 conniptions before he managed to say, I I love you all. And then it got even more awkward because then after that, Liv was like not returning his phone calls. She was like, okay, this is too much. All this is too much. So I'm here for, the case is actually interesting, but generally I'm here for Liv and uh, Stabler. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'll parrot what you said. Um, the, uh, here's what I will say about, about what you said. I am here for Stabler and, and live as well. I stopped watching the show a long, long time ago. And when I was watching it, I was absolutely a fan of their relationship. So I, I'm not, I don't think I'm as huge a fan <laughs> as yours. Um, but I also, during that scene, when he blurted out, I love you, I audibly gasped, you know, in my silent living room. And I went, <laughs> oh, you what you know and i thought you know and he was great in that scene i thought oh this is going to be your emmy reel i thought you know this is 10 years of waiting you know for you to come back and for this resolution or confrontation to kind of start and for him to have done it in front of the family as well and i'm sure the family knew you know that the relationship between the two of them was very special i'm sure they knew that the mom was not happy about it all of it so it was really a great great scene um i also will just parrot what you said um i think they're doing a nice job of doing uh the the crime aspect and the relationship aspect you know both of them are equally compelling you know if this was just about stabler and live and they were filling in with case of the week i would absolutely get bored i you know i don't care about them so much that i'll watch an entire series around them and then the last thing i'll mention is they introduce sort of a triangle where he bonds with the uh big baddies ex-wife about grief because she lost her son and i thought that was a really well done moment you know it didn't make me cringe uh, the scene, it didn't make me be like, oh, you're just throwing in a third wheel now and, you know, and uh, blah, 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 a trope, you know, I I didn't feel that way. And I don't think that's what it's about. Again, it's about it was the bonding over grief. And if should she kind of become a spoke in the wheel or a wheel in the whatever, um, I find it very organically realistic. And I like the actress and I like her character in the show. So I will I approve, unlike the Landon legacy you know, leg of the, 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 you know what I mean? I feel like she's an ad, she's a worthy co- competition or adver- not adversary. It's not adversarial, but you know, competition for the triangle. I mean, for live. So that's also compelling and nicely done. So yeah, I think the show is really solid. It's not like amazing for me. Um, I think it was, it's been too long since I watched the original for me to be super invested, but as far as like quality of just watching a show right now, I'm enjoying it. 
Yeah, agreed. All right, so thumbs up from me. Uh, sure. Next up, we're going to talk about uh, Rebel or The Rebel. And when I say we, I mean you, son, because uh, pitch us. Why should we be watching this show? I, I, I will. I'm prepared for this. I, I even like with you like prepared statements. Yeah. Okay, so, go ahead. Um, here's what I'll say. Um, the show, because I want to give you guys the, the overview, the show is based, uh, however loosely, on Erin Brockovich, the actual character, not the case. But clearly, you know, it's about her sass and this and that. So I will start by saying that if you enjoyed the movie and enjoyed and are connected with the real life character of Erin Brockovich, I don't see how you can't watch it like The Rebel. Now, if you don't didn't like the movie and you don't care for that, it's still worth watching for, as you can imagine, Katie Seagal's character now at first glance you might think oh she's doing her sons of anarchy character she's like a rock and roll rebel you know wife kind of a blah 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 but this show is not that hardcore or serious and it really allows her to be sassier in a funny softer way you know it's it's the show isn't anything like sons of anarchy and i will say this very clearly it is absolutely a network show you know what i mean it's very much in the vein of of um the rookie or or what was that show how to get away with murder or even scandal you know what i mean it's not as salacious you know uh or tawdry as as the scandal you know what i mean it's not as you know um uh, whatever the point is it's stacked so there's mary mcdonald there's An andy garcia there's a um dan corbett uh even the the daughter who you know i have issues with annoying teenage characters actors and the characters that are written for them she's great she's solid the storyline around her is great and then i'll just finish by saying this I say give the show a chance. It, you know, the first episode might be a little off-putting is too strong of a word, but if you are like, nah, I don't know about this, by the third episode, you will definitely know if you are sold on the character, if you're sold on her acting, which, you know, is a little, you know, loud or a little, but but she is loud. Erin Brock, so she does this job of convincing me that she's her without being a caricature. You know, she, she does some fine acting. It's fun. Uh, I'll give you a quick idea of who she is if you don't remember. It is a case of the week, which I think we're all a little exhausted with, but there is an overarching, and this is important, the main character, sorry, the main story is about uh, defending or uh, holding accountable big pharma. So that's very, you know, that's a topical kind of a thing uh, about a heart valve that is um, defective. So that we know is going to be the long, long story, the long haul. Uh, and then then she, as like sort of the equalizer, she, you know, she goes in and does case of the week. So be prepared. It does do both. And the last thing I will say is um, it is... Uh, surprisingly emotional for a sort of like a lighter you know the last scene of the third episode because i watched all three it's they do a great job oh sorry let me say this last thing i watched i binged i tried to binge it was only one a week but i but i hadn't seen it so my point is they do a really nice job of cliffhangering every episode so at the end of every episode i'm because remember there's that overarching theme so i was like oh so i you know i hit play again and i was like oh so at the end of the third episode instead of kind of sort of doing that they still give you a cliffhanger there is a beautiful scene with andy garcia a full acting you know it seemed you know it it just was it reminded me that the show could be more than just a fun you know sassy girl you know series and if it is just a sassy girl series 
it is still fun to watch. But I feel like there's definitely been uh, moments where um, there's going to be some real, really good acting. So I say give it a shot, guys. It is fun. It's on the lighter side, but there's enough going on and the acting is solid across the board that it is really not a waste of time to give it a try. You might not like it, but I don't think it'll be like, well, that was three hours of my life I'll never get back. I, it, I think it's solid enough to give it a, a good shot. I'm really enjoying it. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the season slash series. I'm not sure which. Finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, and this episode had a lot to cover. There were a lot of thread points that were hanging out. We needed to know what was going on with... Uh, the faux Captain America now, we find out the end is the U.S. agent. We needed to see where his story went. We were... Only thing I will say is the big reveal of who the power broker is. I think we figured that out, like, in episode two, maybe three tops. Like, everybody knew who it was. So I kind of feel like, really? Okay, fine. Um, so that wasn't... That wasn't really that interesting. And I'm not sure that the actress who plays uh, Carter is particularly interesting as a bad guy. I'm not sure how I feel about that. But the resolution of Sam's story, I thought, was was fantastic. And the whole bit at the end where Isaiah gets his statue made me a little misty. I, I may have cried. I'm not telling unless you had a camera in my living room. Maybe there were there was a tear or two. So that stuff, I thought they did a really good job with. I think some of the other plot threads, eh, it's all right. Uh, Tom, do you want to hit us with what you thought since you are our reigning um, comics guy? Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed overall. And it's the writing. It's all in the writing. And... I met Malcolm Spellman at a, a Writers Guild event before uh, COVID went down. And, you know, he came from Empire. He's got TV writing experience, but they didn't, it was not well structured. It was not well plotted. There were, you know, how many endings do you need? You had there were episodes. a lot of endings, that's true. It's it just, you're, you're taking several major comic book storylines, putting them in a, a Cuisinart, and as a result, you're not doing justice to most of them. And some of the, um, as satisfying as it is to see Sam as the new Captain America, I just w wish, it just felt disjointed and it shouldn't feel like that. I mean, we're picking up right after the events of Endgame and yet episode one had so much, it seemed like every single major structural decision that was made for the series was wrong. And as much as I enjoyed, you know, some of the stuff, Truth could have been its own miniseries. I mean, you could have taken two episodes to adapt each of the storylines individually and have them connect and do a better job than what they did. Because as it is, they didn't do justice to the storylines. And I realize, you know, it is great that they did, you know, put a statue up for Isaiah Bradley However, that doesn't make up for the decades he spent in jail. No. It's just all. like with the Floyd verdict last year. It's not justice with the dude is still dead. And the person who had to be caught on tape and had to have a parade of witnesses, that doesn't feel like justice. 
I, I was just, I, I'm disappointed. I'm sorry. I, and I hate to sound like a Debbie Downer. And it just seems that you had enough of the flavor of all these different storylines, but because it's so hit and run, it just comes across as hit and run virtue signaling. And Marvel Cinematic Universe is now woke. Woo! <laughs> uh, they've got to take their time and tell the story. They were trying story. to tell a lot of stories because the Flag Smashers story was also sort of vague. Like, yeah. you sort of it, understand it, what they're trying to do? Maybe? I'm not sure. I just yeah. think that, and it's kind of disappointing that 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 you know the 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 showrunners and one of the one of the junior writers is going to be working on the on the screenplay because no, you I mean it's great, but bringing the guys from the Captain America trilogy and Sharon Carter or Agent Carter series and have them do a rewrite because these guys aren't good with three act structure because this it was all over the place. So well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, and I agree with absolutely everything you said. But I'm not sure that it was necessarily the fault of exclusively of the writers, or if much like with WandaVision, um, they were planning for a longer series, and it got cut for for reasons of COVID or budget or whatever. I know WandaVision lost an entire episode. It was supposed to be ten. It ended up being nine. Um, they haven't said anything specific about this, although I did hear something about how there was supposed to be an entire sub uh, story, a, a plot line involving the um, the uh, well for Zemo, definitely. I mean that that looked like that storyline got wrapped up out of crazy. nowhere, right? And and I heard that there was definitely also supposed to be something um, involving the, the flag smashers and something about a plague. And they cut it because, no, it's too close to what's happening now. And they were worried about people's reactions. But whatever it was, um, I think that the last two episodes felt like, you know, you were trying to stuff an elephant into a suitcase. Uh, It was just all this stuff that needed to be said. So we got like a, a penultimate episode that was all the emotional moments stuffed together. And then we got the last episode that was all the action moments stuffed together, plus a big after-school special speech in front of all the cameras. Um, oh, that's just, that was so that was that was not good. I did not like that. That either. was so simplistic. I didn't it was, like it was making my skin crawl. It was just it was like uh, this does not this does not remake society. I'm sorry, you know. T- giving I, I don't see how he could have swayed. Yeah, swayed the senators that easily because I he talked in front know. of the cameras. These were people who knew exactly what they were doing, and they were perfectly comfortable with with creating a diaspora of millions of people, and who knows what they were gonna where they were gonna put them, um, and and just you know waving your finger at them in front of the the news cameras who are conveniently all there at the same time, um, it's is not going to is not going to make that better. And it, like Tom was saying, the same thing with with the uh, the the display that was put up. Uh, for Captain America, when they include Isaiah Bradley, and and how they managed to do that in a weekend. That's true. <laughs> don't, don't worry about that. Don't, don't, don't about think it. about that. That's that's. that's it's like they just <laughs> magicked it out of the air. You know, I mean, first of all, it, it was it was ridiculous how it just appeared there, but second, it it doesn't fix anything. It's I mean, it's a nice gesture. But it, it doesn't it doesn't change the awful things that happen and, and and notice that the I mean the only person who gets mentioned really by name is Isaiah Bradley. 
sadly, none of all the other men who, who were in who his were unit experimented yeah. on or in his unit or any of those. Yeah, there's there's no like list of names or anything like that. There's nothing like that. So, um, you know, and I realize it's, it's it's not reality. It's a TV show. They had they, they didn't think of everything. But still, it's it's supposed to give you the feeling that, you know, this fixes stuff. And it didn't I didn't I didn't feel it. like it fixed any. It, I don't think it was trying to say it fixed everything. I think it was trying to say they were acknowledging that was the whole point of the set. The reason why I was moved by that is because it was acknowledging that it happened, that this is something yeah. that happened to him and acknowledging his pain was the first step. And so for me, I thought that worked, but I got to let Peter talk before we wrap this up. Go ahead, Peter. I watched all of, um, I, I watched all of Falcon and the Winter Soldier this week. So I basically Tuesday watched the first five episodes and then I would basically just waited Friday for the finale. So I don't really have as as much negative things to say as you guys. Uh, maybe it's because I just watch it as all one big thing. I, I, I understand all your criticisms, uh, especially what Tom's saying about the writing and stuff. I just, yeah, I mean, I didn't mind. I thought it was like a saw. I like, I love, I, you know, love the suit. Um, I, yeah, also, I also, I got to say, I also liked what they did with, um, Walker. Who does Walker become? What's his new name? Uh, U.S. Agent. U.S. Agent. Oh, I hated what they did with Walker. I like that they. I, I I like that they gave him a chance. Well, no, no, not with the Julia Dreyfus scene. I like that they gave. I mean, and I think it's a credit to the actor. Um, which is that I did. I did buy that. Walker somewhat came around and he does the right thing. Like uh, he doesn't just kill the bad guys. It's like he really, basically there's a scene where it's like, is it, I think it's him and Bucky basically arrest them. And it's basically, he's just like about justice. And I was like, all right. I was like, well, I'm glad he doesn't, he's not just being crazy. Like he was like the last time. Um, Or in the comics. <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. Or in the comics. He's just cray cray. Right. So but he's I, still, he's still, the, the instant redemption they gave him was just completely unbelievable for me. And I, I was actually offended by that. It's like, you know, I mean, Carly doesn't get a redemption. She gets to die and her last words are, I'm sorry. But what she's sorry for, I'm not sure, because as far as I know, she was committed to her cause. So I don't know what all that was about. Yeah, Carly. And the, the person who gets redeemed is 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 the the white male blonde-haired, blue-eyed nutcase who yeah, yeah. we last saw trying to be, you know, Captain America no matter what anybody else had to say. So I, I that annoyed me a lot. That, I didn't, that okay, well, one, one, I didn't see him as redeemed. I saw him as, oh, okay, in this moment he does the right thing. Because at the end of the episode, he's still the bad guy. So I didn't think he's redeemed. I in no way thought he's a good guy. I, I was like, oh, he sort there's some semblance of him doing the right thing. I, I I honestly, especially because he gets his suit and he's like, I'm back, I'm back. I'm like, ah, it's still all about him. I was like, so so I felt like no, he's still gonna be a bad guy. Um, and as far as Carly, Carly sucks. So like, I was, <laughs> I could not wait for Carly. I was like, well, I, I didn't feel bad for her dying. What I thought was crazy though was that she suddenly dies saying, I'm sorry when she didn't seem sorry about anything about five yeah, seconds I earlier. I, I did yeah. like, 
I did like um, Sam's speech about that she basically was a kid. I was like, I think that's valid. Like, I think from Sam's point of view, it's like, I, I wish there was a way to take her in and maybe she could have grown up in jail and like, and, and you know, finally taking some responsibility for what she was doing and stuff. But uh, I was fine that she died. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm okay with that. And I liked, I liked that it was, um, I forgot her name. Carter. It's not Peggy though. Um, Sharon. 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 Um, so I don't know. I really did not have as much of a problem as you guys did. I'm certainly not saying it's like the best episode. I think the best episode is like, Four. It's the one with the big Wakandian, the big fight. Yes, I feel like yes. that's the best episode. But I would say overall, I I guess it's like a a B overall for a season. But I I don't know. There's good good stuff. I'm just I'm just saying I I was not as as negative as you guys. That's all. I'm not saying that it doesn't have issues. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, Peter. So, all yeah, right, so. let's. What. I just said I'm more with Allison and Tom. I got nothing to say because you guys hit it all, but I'm with I'm just with more with Allison and Tom. All right, well let's uh, we got one more show to talk about. Next up, we're going to talk about uh, Shadow and Bone, and here we go. And we're only going to talk about episodes <laughs> one and two. And Peter sounds like he's revving to go. So Peter, I'll let you start. All right, so let me do the reverse of what I normally do Uh is I I normally tell you what I like and I go, having said that, and then I jump down. So let me tell you what I didn't like about the first two episodes of Shadow and Bone. And then I'll actually end more positively, which I think will lead to you guys. Um, I feel like I have heard so much about this book series for the last decade or whatever, that it was going to be a movie and then it was going to be a trilogy. And then it's like, oh, Netflix did this. And then like the week before it came out, I'm reading about how, the author Lee Bert Perdugo, I forgot what her name is, how she essentially she her big thing to the showrunner was, you know, do better, do better than I did. And what she's talking about is uh diversity. And I love the character. I, I really I, I I like the on paper, uh the character of the of, of of Alina and stuff as far as like the diversity. I think that's great. I like the I I, I like them dealing with racism and stuff. Um however in the first two episodes, it's still really clear to me that this is essentially a very 2000s, 2010 um, YA that I think feels primarily um, de- uh, demoed at um, teen girls. And and that's not necessarily bad because, I mean, if that's your demographic, you know, that's fine. Um, it's just that, you know, I'll say that I watched this pilot uh, I watched it once, then I watched it, the pilot again with my girlfriend. I also showed my girlfriend The Expanse, um, which she had never oh, seen. Oh, come on! It was like night. Wait, I know. Going? Why are you? Com- we're not we're talking about be- The Expanse. You cannot be comparing those. We're never going to be comparing apples with. <laughs> no, come on, Peter. Stay on topic. No comparisons. Okay, okay so staying on topic. I, I, why either? I like the setup, but my biggest issue. My so my big issue I didn't like is. In the early 2000s, when we were starting to get a lot of superhero movies, there was this thing where, and I don't think Harry Potter does it, where like, you know, Rogue and the X-Men or even Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man, they get their powers and they don't really want their powers. And as a fan, as you, you know, you watching this as escapism, you're like, oh my God, like, 
this would be awesome. Like, how is this not awesome for you? And so I, I would like to point out how is being a sun summoner awesome? All it does is she looks oh, like she can set did. up a light. She, she's a she's yeah. a glow in the dark <laughs> light bug. What are you talking about? She killed like she thirty. So yeah, what do you mean she kills like five to ten demon monsters with her? But power. she ha- but she has no idea how she did it. Sure. And, and but it, but it's not useful in the regular world. So she would basically have to yeah. go into this this scary place and kill monsters. Other than that, her powers are pretty useless. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's, Except that's for reading at night, then it's yeah. Really, like, <laughs> right. I'm just saying she she doesn't have the greatest powers to just be. She can't crawl up a wall. She can't she's do the, anything like that. Power, wait, her power is the thing that everybody in this world has been looking for. I understand that, because, but, because but that in, but that requires you to go into danger. Jump in because. Allison and I got to jump in without zero, with zero spoilers. Clearly, you—I mean, you've only seen the first two, three episodes, right? We're only talking about the first two. No, but what I'm saying is that because Libby, you agree with me. Whatever you're feeling, they—you know—they do a kind of sort of address. So, I mean, I, I, I know you can only kind of talk about what your impressions were, but what I'm saying is. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean, and I said this to Libby the other night, it, whatever you're guessing or thinking or upset about, it doesn't mean, like, I don't understand the impatience of you guys or anybody. Like, I don't, you know, anyone who watches the show, they have a chance to address those issues, you know, and change what you might think is going on or change how you feel about somebody. So to be this, like, upset or even, not even that upset, but to dislike something, it's like, well, just give them a chance. Maybe we'll, they'll explain more why a person feels a certain way or, or why you think this person, you know, blah 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 so for me it didn't really bother me and i agree with exactly what libya says it wasn't one of those things where it was like super cool to have for herself so there was no need or or i didn't expect her to be like wow look at me you know what i mean like like allison said like what is she gonna get excited about being a a, a walking nightlight like there wasn't anything that she was clued into that would make her life little you know interesting on a smaller daily level and that's a lot of the stuff that we get with superheroes you're like oh my god look at me i can fly oh my god i can do this i can pick up big things she literally just did one thing which was without her knowledge even or memory of or knowing how to she killed a bunch of big bad scary ones you know what i mean so that to me isn't something where i run around going look at me i can kill big scary things in a big dark place like that doesn't <laughs> her any sort of excitement in me and then when you're told that you are going to save the universe you know and that you know no pressure no pressure so to me there was way more negatives than positives and and clearly they did already set up that she was already anti grisha you know and that she was willing to do whatever she could to stay with the with the person that she loved or cared about or, or whatever so there were plenty of reasons for her not to be super excited and super let me test my limits of what my powers are like, I, 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 I will have to say we we interrupted we interrupted peter and i am so sorry yes, peter right. please yeah, please peter, peter, please finish <laughs> Sorry. So, I, I well, I wanted to get at the thing that I really liked. So, what I liked about the show, um, or I shouldn't say, one one thing that I really like about when you have people with powers is, to me, the more flawed they are, the better. And I thought I can't quite tell if. If the way they're presenting Alina, basically her only goal is basically in the first two episodes, her only really goal is to is to protect and be with Mel. 
I don't care about Mal at all. Like, I think he's good looking, but I don't care about him. So that's a weird thing for me. I'm like, is that a conscious flaw that they're saying that as a character, she needs to realize that it's not about some boy. It's about society. That's really what all heroes have to go through. If that's the journey she's on, awesome. It is not there in the first two episodes. However, having said that, and then I'll let everybody else talk, what I noticed in the first, when I rewatched it that I really liked, I did like they give her, they did give Alina a big thing, which is that, so um, part of the thing is she basically finds out that Mal is going to be now on this ship, on the ship that is going through the fold. And she wants to go because she's like worried and everything. So she basically sabotages because she's a cartographer. She sabotages these maps so that when they're like, oh, my God, we're missing these maps. She's like, oh, I'll volunteer to go. What she doesn't realize is that when she does that, the guy who's in charge is like, yeah, it's not just you. I'm going to take your whole team, which means her whole team dies. That's on her. Yeah, it's totally her fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. I do like that. I'm like, wow, you just mur- you got your friends killed. That's good. Anything anything that like That's makes the good. Have, anything that has the hero make grave mistakes or in their per- in, in, because of course she didn't want her friends to get killed. Of course not. Like, but she her her narrow-mindedness leaves to pe- led to people dying. Consequences. So that yeah. I like. I was like, okay, that's good. I was like, that's a good thing. Um, sorry. Now you guys talk. <laughs> uh, Tom, go ahead. You, you unmuted. I'll, I'll tag in. Uh, without using the verboten word, it is a standard convention in <laughs> movies <laughs> that one step is the hero rejects the call before accepting the call. So, get over it! Uh, <laughs> I I love this. I just... Uh, Wait a minute, you loved it? You I loved, loved it. it. I, I loved did it. too, Peter. I loved it. I loved it because the world they set up is fascinating because you're dealing with issues of class. I do like and that. cast. I agree. And the fact that... yeah. I don't think there's a triangle in here because Ben Barnes, he saves her life, but face it, his track record of playing heroes hasn't been since the Narnia movies. And that was- <laughs> <laughs> so, he plays a character called the Darkling, so that should tell you a little bit of something. The heretic. Yeah. And, 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 and when, you know, clean-shaven, clean-shaven Ben Barnes, Prince Caspian, you know, scraggly-looking, black-clad... <laughs> Go deep in Barnes. Hey, here, here, you go to your bedroom. Am I a prisoner? We're all prisoners. Closes the door. I mean, come on. <laughs> but, spoilers! But he's don't, still don't, mad sick. He's only, Tom, Tom doesn't have any spoilers. He's only seen the first two. Okay. No, he's, okay. He's, he, you know, he, he's a good looking, he's a good looking dude. No, I was concerned when it, when they're on the ship, it's like, you can't kill our two leads. And then she does the thing. <laughs> And then they go to elsewhere, and we get the story. And then the next episode, episode two, we find out exactly what happened. Which I was like, "Oh, uh, does, uh, uh, 
I, does anybody want to talk about the gangster story? Allison, you want to hit that, yeah, please? Sure. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Because one of the things that I did like about this, and the things I had, I had read something ahead of time that said that the, the show was kind of confusing because it bounces between two different storylines. But I actually really loved that. And I thought that it added a lot to the, the overall story because what we've got is is a greater grasp of a larger world. You know, otherwise we would just be seeing one side and and we would not be seeing the other side of the fold where there's an entire other culture that's that's set up and they've got their own things going and they used to be part of one thing and now they're separated by this this fold. And um the the cast that they've assembled for this are great. Yeah, they're really good. The yeah. They're, they, they have tremendous char- uh, charisma independently, and they, they, the chemistry with each other is is just great. I am totally in to their to their storyline. Um, I know we're not talking about episode three, but there's an, another character coming down the pike who, who makes it even better. Um, but there's there's just so much going on here and it's so well handled and one of the things that i also really like is that it's they're they're using a cultural edge that isn't normally done usually we see things that are you know in fantasy they tend to have like a, a, a english mythological uh character to it and here it's like russian they 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 went to they went to you know uh eastern europe to get their influences so, um, you know, like Grisha is is basically the, the Russian word for witch. Um, so I thought I thought doing it that way gave it this really interesting look and a really interesting feel. And and, you know, they, they set up, you know, you were, you were speaking before about the trope of rejecting the 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 gifts uh, that, you know, that you've been given. I think that they they led up to the reason for that extremely well this is a society which does not like difference this is a society which was rendered asunder because of difference and and even you know within the society that that uh she's on um the grisha although they're considered important to the war they're not trusted they're not liked they were attacked they had to build themselves a fortress to live in because they were they were constantly being attacked by others, and we see them being attacked. In, yeah. You know, I, by the way, even in oh, this, I almost said so, something from episode three. Sorry, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> that's, and that's real easy. Yeah, but but yeah, we we see them set upon. You know, when they're in the woods, they they're they're attacked by by a gang, and and um, you know, she gets saved by by. Ben Barnes and his sexy ways. Sorry, but her her little like every, every boyfriend from childhood just can't compare. I'm sorry, even though you know he's bad news. It's it's still you know. Come on, yeah, um, Ben Barnes is clearly way more charismatic. Come on. Oh oh yeah, I'm <laughs> sure. Like, he's the boyfriend isn't supposed to be charismatic. Charismatic. He's supposed to be like noble and devoted. He's the heart. And... He's the heart. Yeah, he's you know he man. loves her. Oh, oh good lord! Equal footing on purpose. It's like one is one thing and one is the other. I mean, that's kind of the point. Do you know what I mean? Well, I I just want to jump in because everybody has said everything that I was going to say anyway, except and I I'm a little sick of myself ringing this bell, but no one's talked about it, so I'm going to mention it. The look of the show is great. Ah, yes. Very yes, cinematic. Great. 
The set design is fantastic. Everybody hold their breath because you know what I'm going to say next. The costumes are excellent. <laughs> and But I want to be specific about how excellent they are. They aren't like the most amazing costumes I've ever seen or the most artistic or out there or, you know, whatever. But the actual craziness of it, I want to say this. I, I texted this to you guys. I was like, now that's what a pilot is supposed to be because there are so many moving parts, you know, with the, the so many characters that we have to follow follow you know even the the head of the menagerie the woman there's i mean there's so many pieces but it what it never felt overwhelmed i never felt um like uh you know they were trying too hard giving me too much story it just was perfect introducing everybody i cared about everybody already i was interested in everybody by the end of the series uh, by, by the, the end, end of the series is that what you said yeah. <laughs> no 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 yes I, if that tells you anything about how much I enjoyed this. Um, no, but the end of the second se uh, episode, but even the first is my point. So that was an amazing pilot, but let me get back to the costumes. So to me, uh, speaking as someone who's a bit more familiar than the average person, the mishmash of the costumes, it was uh, Dickensian, it was Edwardian, it was Victorian. There was like a Western, you know, Jesper was absolutely, you know, Doc Holliday. I mean, there was like a saloon vibe to the girls. You know, he was wearing um, completely, I was going to say like out of period, but there is no period, you know? So he was dressed, they were wearing fedoras, they were wearing bowlers, they were wearing top hats. And I loved it because it really kind of gave this energy of this is a unique world. We're not going to super define it, even though, yes, there was the like, like Asian shoe and then there was the Russian whatever. But for me, all of that adds to the depth of the show, the interesting kind of, you know, it full, like this is a, its own world. And um, I loved it. I think that's very important. It's small, it's, you know, people discount this kind of stuff, but it really adds full texture, full color. So it makes it much more immersive, you know, and fun to watch. That's what we want. We want fantasy. So even if I can identify different periods in real world, it doesn't need to be, I've never seen a costume like this or what an amazing, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be that. But just the choices they made uh, really helped me absolutely enjoy it. And it was shot like it was a movie, which so that's even more fun. To, I mean, the look of it, cinematography, all of it. So, I mean, you know, it's, it is good, guys. I took that train, express train, all the way to eight. And I was happy to have gone on that trip. I cannot wait, wait, wait to buy my tickets for the next trip. I mean, do we know? Did it get approved for a second season? It's only been, it's only been three days. You said no, no, three no. days. You no, you hear about stuff where, like, they've released it and they're like, we've already approved it for a second yes, season. Like, well, they do. Yeah, that happens sometimes. But not yeah. all the time, and it's only been three no, days. Not. Calm down. Netflix no? usually act that quickly. Yeah, Netflix, yeah, they want to see what the numbers are. They want to see how, how many people streamed it. One quick question. You saw it through eight also, right? Uh, and I believe... I no, mean, no, I just, no, she has not. Nobody else other than you. You're the only one. Oh, I thought she did. Oh, okay, great. Nope, so, nope. She wanted to know if she enjoyed it. I say hang on for the ride. I say it's uh, really fun. All right. So we're all giving it thumbs up, with maybe the exception of Peter. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's still thumbs up. It's a thumbs okay. Up. All right. So, yes, we're loving this show. Can't wait to talk about the next two. And if you guys have any questions or comments, you send them to tvcampfire.gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and sci-fi.radio, Weedonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Later. Bye.